Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Hey there, everybody. Welcome once again. Got right off to a good start, didn't I? Um, <laughs> hey there, and welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 128. We're up to now. Uh, we're coming in at the uh, almost the middle of August 2013. Uh, at least I am. I hope you are, too. That means you're cut up with these. Uh, that also means that we're about a month away from the 7th Annual American River Music Festival in Coloma and Lotus, California, which takes place September 13th, 14th, and 15th this year. I talk about this wonderful little festival every every year because this year for the 5th year, I think, 5th, yeah, I get to host the showcase on Friday night at the American River Music Festival. It's held at the American River Resort. And that's going to be a lot of fun with about nine different acts um, doing two songs a piece. It's really a, just a nice little little smorgasbord of all kinds of music. And this year it's kind of heavy on banjos. There are at least three banjos going to make an appearance. So I'm very excited as a guy who's been patiently learning the banjo all year long. Um, the main stage performers this year include um, Paul Thorne, Ray Wiley Hubbard, the Didwinter Carpenters, the David Grisman Bluegrass Experience, and a gentleman we're gonna you're gonna hear from in just a couple of minutes, Sean Hayes, who's the guest on this episode of Songs and Stories. We're gonna talk to Sean about kind of where his roots came from and how he settled in the Bay Area and kind of what you might expect from him at American River. He's also going to be down here in the Bay Area in October doing a run at Don Quixote's in October, so I'll put a link to that on my website along with all the information for American River Music Festival. Uh, a little bit about the festival itself. It takes this Again, this is the seventh annual festival. It starts sort of officially on Friday. There's an optional rafting trip. It's sort of a festival located along the American River. It's, there's, a, there's a main meadow where the music takes place on the weekend. There's three, three campgrounds that basically that's where you camp and you go to the meadow during the day. Um, every camp is along the river, and there's things going on in camp at night, including the showcase, other performances. Every camp kind of has their own thing going on. Um, education is a big part of the festival, so there's workshops in the mornings, and there's, there's some late night playing because it is a music festival. It's a lot of fun. So there's, there's, there's rafting, there's hiking, I didn't mention that. Lots and lots of music, and it's just a really good-sized festival that can get a little bigger every year, which we like, too, because it keeps the thing moving along. Um, you can find all about, you can find all about, you can find out all about the festival at, by going to AmericanRiverMusic.org, and there's a link to that on my website at MichaelGaither.com. Today's guest, Sean Hayes, uh, was an uh, interesting guy, great musician, and he's a guy who's, you know, made a living um, doing seven independent releases, which is no, no, no easy feat. Uh, he was originally from New York City. He grew up in the South, which in the interview he said it maybe kind of softened the edges, <laughs> softened the edges a little bit. But he's been a Northern California resident for over 20 years, and this talk was actually done over Skype because we couldn't get together, you know, in person. So we just I I was able to get Skype work and we recorded it, and we had a great conversation. And um, he talked about this again being an independent artist. He's 
been, been trying to avoid the, the myth of the discovered artist because it's kind of like if you're doing it yourself anyway, maybe you need a record company, maybe you don't. And he's been okay. He's not really pursued it, and he's, you know, doing fine. Um, he talked about music as a business, and there's a great quote where he said, he goes, at some point, you, you know, you have to realize that if you're going to be doing this, it is a business, and you've got to, what's the quote that I wrote down? You have to start proving to people that you're going to show up. You know, so he's, you know, takes this very seriously and he's very good. Um, I'm going to play you a couple of clips off his last couple of records. And it's interesting because he has this great bluesy kind of sparsy sound of what he does. And it's very diverse. He's, you know, he's not content to do one thing over and over, which I really like about him. But I asked him, um, especially in the cuts you're going to hear, there's there's this really nice sparse quality. And I asked him, how do you translate that to a festival? You know, when you're like playing on the main stage at a festival. And it sounds like at American River, he's going to kind of bring like the whole band, the backup singers, the horns. We're going to have some fun. So uh, uh, that's what we're going to in store for in about a month. In the meantime, here's about a half hour conversation with Sean Hayes. And to get it started, I'll give you a little preview of um, what he's been up to. We'll listen to the title track off his latest record, Before We Turn to Dust. And then I'll play you a little bit of a really nice tune called Powerful Stuff off his last album, Run Wolves Run. And if you're a guitar player and you're curious about that song, there's a really nice YouTube clip that he put together that actually explains the tuning for that song, which is kind of different. And I'll, I'll link that in my podcast. And um, speaking of, thank you for listening. If you're new to songs and stories or new to me, if you want to find out more about this podcast, you can go to michaelgather.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Look for the section for Songs and Stories number 128, and I'll put links to Sean, the American River Music Festival, the YouTube instructional video about powerful stuff and some other things related to things we talk about in this interview. So with that in mind, here we go. Here's a little bit of Before We Turn to Dust, a bit of powerful stuff, and then a talk with Sean Hayes. You may spend all your money before you turn to dust you will never spend all your love you may spend all your money before you turn to dust you will never spend all your love my little boy smiling soon he'll be sitting up holding his own in love like only a mama can love she tear you up every moment every breath that lightning strikes cut through bite down been falling in falling out that instant replay running Spend all 
Powerful stuff got me circling like the moon round the sun, acting crazy like a fool, all drunk. Mmm, hear me, this is powerful stuff. There's no way for you to give this up. It's in your body, it's all in your blood. Down, it'll lift you up and keep you turning like it's never enough. All right, now let's turn it up. Every day, do like a flower does. The sun rises and she opens up. The sun rises and she sings. Hit me, this is powerful, 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 So welcome to my first Skype call on the Songs and Stories podcast. Good to talk to you, and good to I'm glad to finally talk to you. I've been listening to your music for a while, and I really like it. I'm glad to be able to ask you a little bit about it. Excellent. Yeah, glad to be here. Cool. So you were, I was reading your bar, so you were, if I get this right, you were born in New York, raised in North Carolina, and you're kind of in the Bay Area these days. So how did those three places kind of form what you do? Um, well, let's see. So, yeah, I was born in New York, and then my family, my parents were definitely New Yorkers, so uh-huh. we moved to the South when I was five or six, but the microcosm of my life was still very New York, I guess, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And, but then I was in the South of North Carolina until I was about 23, so I think it definitely, you know, rounded a lot of the northern edges off and, and seeped into me um, musically more than I think I realized when I left North Carolina. I think I... I I saw the influence even years and years later. Um, uh-huh. um, I think when I first left, I didn't really think it, it had, had gotten in there as much as it, as it had. And just subtle ways and things that I'm attracted to musically and the way maybe I think about music. I think mm-hmm. has some North Carolina in it, some, some porch some porch playing in it. and Definitely. I've attracted to like old-time music and stuff. I don't know that. The thing is, I really didn't even know that much about it when I was in North Carolina and, and but I started to end this near the end of my stay there. And then now I've been in California for 20 years. And so that's uh, got a whole new twist, Northern California. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to probably ask me another 10 years how, how much that's affected me. <laughs> well, it's funny how it's just being around that kind of forms. I read somewhere that you were... You kind of grew up as sort of like the Smiths and the police, but maybe North Carolina kind of exposed you to a lot of that kind of a rootsy, because you're kind of a rootsy singer-songwriter with a lot of different influences, which is kind of interesting in a good way, I think. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it could be uh, could be a weird hodgepodge, I think, for some people in terms of, you know, people liking their genres straightforward, but um, yeah. I think 
I think I, yeah, I grew up like most kids listening to, you know, a lot of popular pop music and things and, and still do listen to a lot of popular pop music. I mean, I'm attracted to like just songs and whether they're, I, I don't really limit myself at all. But mm. I also have a kind of a strong love towards traditional musics and like really simple music, whether like just a guy on a fiddle or or like the Greek rhythmical music I, I ran into. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Just like Mm-mm. the old 20s and 30s, you know, folk, folk uh, you know, anthology of American folk music and old time music, which is basically dance music from 100 years ago, you know, sure. on the floor. Just everybody play the melody together and give us something to dance to. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just really attracted to the raw and pure kind of spirit behind a lot of a lot of that music and can listen to it. But so so yeah, I do run run a certain gamut, and uh, and I've been listening and playing for a long time. So it's just you know whatever kind of gets in and attracts me, I tend to, to eat it and it comes back out some way or another. Yeah. Well, I think I think I think one song that you're really well known for, and there was a you did a great YouTube video on it on um, how to play it, powerful stuff. You know, you 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 gave your guitar kind of a nice, kind of different tuning, and explained it on this YouTube video that I'll probably link in the podcast. But you know, it has this really kind of sparsey, kind of old, kind of just really sparse, not old time, but there's something about it that's just you and the guitar with a very unique sound, and to me, that's kind of rootsy and really kind of compelling. I really liked it. Thank you very much. I, I definitely feel like the the core of of what I do is just me, a voice, and a guitar, and, and mm-hmm. it, so it can it, it can exist in that form, and then everything else is is icing in some ways. And so I can go from just in a set by myself to to a duo, to a trio, all the way up to like I've been playing with a ten piece band recently. So these wow. songs will go under major transformation, but it, in their essence. Just me and the voice and the guitar, and then yeah. you just kind of keep at it. Yeah, yeah. And it changes the way people think think of the music. It's a really interesting process. I'll bet. You know, playing the electric guitar versus playing the acoustic guitar is even that big a thing to me as a player. But from the outside looking in, it's a big deal. It's kind of whole... like if you wear a baseball cap or no, you don't wear a baseball cap. It kind of changes people's perspective. Perception, the perception of who you are, even though you haven't changed one bit. Uh huh. <laughs> it's put still on a different hat. It's still you on the inside, but it's it's how it looks at the outside world. Yeah. From the outside, everybody thinks you're a very different person, and that's the power of theater and and uh, all that kind of thing, which plays in the music very strongly. Yeah. It's well. Absolutely, especially you know rock and roll and roots. Um, and, yeah. and I, I like some of your instrument choices. I know you do. We talked about your guitar a little bit, but um, there's there's some piano that you do. But your your banjo style. There's some banjo in some of your works too. And I wouldn't. I don't know if it's if it's straight claw hammer, but it's definitely there's definitely like an old sound to it. Can you talk about that a little bit? Mainly because I'm learning the yeah. banjo, so I'm always like I always like to talk about the banjo whenever I get a chance. Sure. Yeah. Well, I had uh, like I, like I was saying, I, I kind of go in and out of like old time music love, and there was a time a few years back, probably during the Flowering Spades record, particularly, where I was playing some of that banjo stuff, and I and I just bought the banjo, and I'm definitely really attracted to the Clawhammer style, mm-hmm. very just watery and trance oriented. Um, so I have really super basic skills. I would learn a few tunes, and then all of a sudden something would come out of me, you know, like. That, that was some strange thing like a Sufi drop song in Flowering Spade or, or Elizabeth Sways, which actually is more of a picking style, but mm-hmm. really simple. And the, that particular banjo, too, was uh, had fishing wire on it, it, so it had this nylon string sound to it, a really, really oh, soft, okay. beautiful sound. You couldn't even play it if you were in a loud place. You had to be such 
so it's been hard to translate some of that to live shows because it's a really quirky, quirky old instrument with, mm-hmm. with a strange sound. You know, it's hard to mic things like that up. So I'll go in and out of it, uh, whether whether I'm around people or playing that style of music. But it's something I really love that frilling style of banjo. So it'll make it in, into my music every once in a while. I mm-hmm. feel like I've gotten more into a soul kick the last couple of records, more a little more soul beat oriented. Um, I can feel the old time kind of brewing up again. Maybe because yeah. I moved up to Petaluma, feel a little more country up here. Probably, you're in a good spot. Well, and that soul sounding songs like Bam Bam definitely kind of make you want to move, and it's it's you know it's it's got kind of that beat to it too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm always really attracted to that stuff, and just like this crooning and the you know the making people move and uh, kind of hip hop soul. What the, what that music does makes people want to get up and move around. And, I like that a lot. But yeah. I like, talk, talk to the lyrics and kind of tell a story or, or at least emotional honesty or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like I wouldn't say you, you I don't think you'd probably say you, you get bored easy, but you like to jump around between styles is kind of what I'm th- what I'm, what I'm seeing a little bit. Yeah, it's, and it's not even really conscious. Uh, it's not conscious like, oh, I'm going to play soul music. It, it, it just kind of, it just kind of is whatever you're listening to. I don't, I don't edit myself that well. I know some players, and they're fantastic, and they have a better job of like really sticking to a style in a way, which is a good thing to do in some ways. But I just don't even think about genre very much. It's just like whatever song wants to come out, I, I just kind of like do my best to, to track it down if I mm-hmm. can. And if it makes it out, I tend to share it. I don't. I just, you know, like, let you judge it. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of a matter of letting the song, this is kind of trite, but it actually sort of works when you're writing songs, is, you know, kind of let the song go where it wants to go. Sometimes you just need to do that. Yeah. And then depending on how you record it, you know, changes everything with a little instrument. Yeah, yeah. And you've done um, records with, like, a full band sound. You've done some things that are kind of sparse, so that kind of goes back and forth a little bit, too, I think. And I, I think... Like you're saying that when you can play a song with just your guitar and sometimes your banjo, is it, you know, if a song can stand by itself, then you can probably build a band around it. If it if it needs all that band, maybe the song isn't that strong. I don't know. What do you think about that? Yeah, with me, I think it's it's very organic and documentary style and kind of like uh, very based on whatever I have have available to me. The first I did were four track and basement recordings because I, you know, just didn't have any money. I was just, I just finally figured out I needed to put this music out one way or another and then stop waiting for some, somebody to come down and do it for me. And then, you know, then I got in the garage and recorded with the band some, and then finally got into, you know, the garage was probably around the big black hole. And then I got into a studio. Some Alabama chicken was recorded in the living room with a band and then Mm. got in the studio for the first time ever with plowing spade and then started to refine that more with, Run Wolves Run, and then this last record dropped down. So, kind of getting a little bit better, and and still we record very quick. And I just try to get together the best musicians I know and can find, because mm-hmm. um, it helps a lot in the studio to get things. Because you have a limited amount of time, and you're spending a lot of money. And yep, so you, absolutely. I, I don't tend to. I'm not one of those people who spends you know months working on one record or once. You know, I, I I go in there and just kind of record where it's at more like snapshots and, and put it out, um, document and keep moving rather than trying to do a massive production and make, make you know, this one track just like, oh, you know, 
I, I, I appreciate that too from a different angle. I, I just never could afford to do that in some ways, and it's just not my style in some ways either. I just kind of, so I think that the it's not as thought out as much as it's like, oh, these guys are great players. Let's get them in the room. I enjoy playing with them. We'll just hash out these songs and see what we have at the end and, and uh, try to get try to get it out to the world. And it's it's really just me and uh, Chris, who you spoke with, my manager, uh-huh. who put, put who puts this music out. So it's an incredibly small uh, organization. <laughs> there's no record label. There's no booking agents. It's it's just uh, it's just the two of us kind uh-huh. of passing away putting it out in the world. So, well, in some ways, it's more manageable know, that way, too, probably. You're not dealing with a whole army well, of people it, behind you. Yeah. It, it's manageable in the fact that you don't have to, uh, you don't, you're not waiting for anybody. You know it's not going to get done if you don't do it. And uh, you don't have anybody to blame for anything either. You know, like there's a thing with record labels and stuff where people start to blame the record label for the record not doing well and things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like, well, I just put it out myself. I have no idea how, how far my reach is. And mm-hmm. I'm very happy to be making a living playing music. People and, like uh, what you do. So some, yeah, people like what yeah. you do, so something's working, you know. You know. Yeah, it's, it's great. So it's, I think what it is is you, you don't reach as many people, and and there's some there's sometimes you don't. People do like, uh, depending on how into music they are, like, they like the stamp of approval of a record label and things, but, uh, you know, to see who else you're, what you're on. And, you know, you can have an office full of people helping you get that music so that people can hear it and it's going to get out to the world. So that, those can be helpful things. But um, mm-hmm. but uh, if you don't have that, you need to just figure out how to do it on your own and not wait around for it to happen. You know? And that's become more and more how it is. I've been doing this for a while. It used to be mm-hmm. all just record labels, you know. And now it's more do it yourself out there yeah yeah and people you know people can do it themselves and and i was i was gonna ask too um that was kind of my next let me just make sure we're still recording because it just beeped on me um sure thanks and your and your call's coming through fine I think we're, yeah, yeah we're, we're recording. This is cool. Okay. Um, what I was going to ask, and this is kind of what we're leading up to, is so you've done, is it seven records, I believe, on your own? Something uh, like six or seven? Yeah, one, two, three, four, yeah, six or seven. Something like that. So, And you've, you've always been sort of an indie artist with no major label backing. Have you ever been approached by a label or looked or pursued, or you just kind of just were happy doing it yourself and seeing where it leads you? Pardon? But I've had a little inquiries before, like people interested, but never, never anything that went too far into the process uh-huh. of that. So mostly, it's been, it's been, you know, me just, and I've never really been much of a pursuer of that. I've allowed other people to kind of check in on things before, but I just never have had. Yeah. kind of wake up in the morning and think like oh I need to get a record label involved with this it's just not the way, way I work so uh-huh. so I think that answers the question um, yeah. Yeah. I think for years though in my early years of playing music um, I did have that myth that a lot of people live under that you know somebody's going to come and, and make this all work you know right, right. and when I realized I was waiting for that and that I needed to do it on my own it was a great great revelation of just like oh I just have to like do whatever I can do to put this music out because yeah. I'm I'm living under this kind of illusion that somebody's going to come down and, and make this happen make you successful and I, yeah. you know yeah, that, yeah that, that we all can get in that for a while and think that, you know some, and that does happen that is the, the myth of, of the discovered artist you know yeah, and I, 
and I've, and, I've, and I've talked to a lot of artists and looked at where I'm at too, and, and it's, it's, I don't know if it's an ironic thing, but you know, if you're an independent artist, you, and you, you can't really get approached by a label unless you're selling X amount of you know, CDs every year, but if you're selling X amount of CDs, maybe you don't need a label. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like the back and forth of that. It is to totally like that, but then it's always, it's, it's kind of interesting to me to see like White and read an article about him and the last record that he put out. You know, you he and he has his own little record label that he does. Third Man, he puts other people's records out, but when it came time to put his record out, he did it with Sony or something, and he had just a quote saying, you know, I wanted to have the enough muscle behind me to make sure people heard this record. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting when you think of somebody that that successful and to. You know, if he's going to put out a record, people are going to listen to it. But he, he still decides to go with with the major, you know, sure. thing. So it's a, you know, there's 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 work out there that can be done by by people, and the, you know, there's reach and things. But the thing is, when you're doing it yourself, it's very satisfying. You don't have to sell as many records to mm -hmm. make a living. <laughs> but yeah. you're also not supporting a whole office of people. Yeah. a nice thing to do if you so, can do that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very complicated, tricky thing. It is. It's, it, there's a, definitely a, a business part of it. you got to look at the numbers at some point, but it still is art, too. Well, you do. That yeah. took a while, too. I've been music for a long time before I, before I really could admit to myself, like, okay, this is also a business, and it, yeah. means, committing to, it means committing to people and doing some things that, that isn't just about the romanticism of it all. Like, right. you know, if you're going to make a living at it, you got to you got to do some things differently. Mm -hmm. you, know? you can't just... Yeah. You gotta prove you gotta prove to people that you're gonna show up. <laughs> right, right. You gotta be a little organized. A little organized and talented musicians, but they have a tough time showing up. <laughs> <laughs> I've dealt with that yeah. too. Um, let's talk about you playing live. So you're playing. You're gonna be uh, well. You're on the coat. You're actually in the Bay Area now, but we're gonna see you a couple times this fall. Um, you're going to be yeah. at the American River Music Festival in September, which is a really, really fun festival. I've been, I've been, I get the, I get the pleasure of hosting their songwriter showcase on Friday night. And you're playing the main stage, I believe, on Sunday, I think. So, so do you when you when you do sort of a band set, do you do you like do you like a little solo portion? Does it depend on the set you're doing? And so for American River, the the question I really had is, you've got this really nice kind of sparse, intimate sound. How do you translate that to like a big festival audience, or do you make it big, or does it kind of depend on on the gig and what you feel like doing that particular year? Yeah, depending on what kind of band I have at that time period, it's uh -huh. always switching around. Like I'm going to go out on tour this fall with a trio, um, but and for the for that American for the uh, River Festival, that I'm going to I'm going to have I think the full band with me, so I'll have some backup singers and some horns and the whole oh, thing. Nice. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I'm gonna have the I think are down for all of that. So we'll so be dancing. Then yeah. Translating moment if I have that whole band, then I, I may do a little bit with a smaller band and then bring other people out to kind of build the show up. But it really is a, a show to show decision depending on mm -hmm. what's available and how much, you know, you're rehearsing with with different people all the time. So sometimes these three people know this song, and those five people kind of know this song, and okay, okay, what kind of set can I put together? Okay, and, and maybe <laughs> I'll do something on my own. If, if I've been playing with the band for a while, I do like to try to get, to kind of have a moment where it's a duo, and then a trio, and then bring out more people, and then and mix it up, kind of kind of like palate changes of a, of a meal, you know. 
Yeah, and, and that, that kind of goes back to the baseball cat metaphor because you're still playing your same songs, but you're kind of changing up the dynamic for the same audience, so they kind of see you in a different light throughout the same... I, I think as, as, a, as a patron, it's always more interesting to see somebody kind of change it up a little bit during one set. You know? Yeah, it's fun for me. I love to be surprised by, by the music myself and mm-hmm. by, by different players, and I've gotten much better at that. Back in the day when I first was starting, I was kind of coming more from a theater background, and I really felt like you had to rehearse for three weeks straight before you could even play with the band, you know. But now I could get up there with the, if the, the players are good enough, I could get up there on the fly and, and feel really comfortable with if, if I know they got my back. And, yeah. and I didn't think the music can, can do that, and really good players can do that. I'm not one of those. I wouldn't ever be a side guy who could just jump up and and join in, I, I would ruin your song, but I, I tend to find people who can do that. <laughs> and is it, and it, is it like, it's like the, it's, it's like the greatest feeling in the world when you can pull up a couple of players that can just nail something when you call out a key and show them your fingers and they really do kind of have the beat and it's such an amazing feeling when you can do that. Yeah. yeah. And there's, there's guys, there's, there's guys out there and there's girls too and it's just, it's just a blast and, and you can play with that. But that was also something about building up this, like I'm, after you played for three or four weeks on tour, you with the same people now after night, you just get into this whole different spot and grew and you get to know each other a lot more and it's yeah. the same songs, but they get deeper and deeper and that's an exciting thing too. Yes. It's always mysterious. That's what makes you be able to continue to play music and play the same songs is, is they they keep breathing and changing and mm-hmm. they're slippery and one night, you know, it's different from the next. It's great. Nice stuff. And so we'll see you. We'll see you at the festival in September. Then we'll see you down my way at Don Quixote's in October. I think. I think it's October. Some sometime in the fall, you'll be down this way too. I, so. I think you have that right. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, Welcome good. My yeah. So, and we will see you in Petaluma sometime. We'll make a drive. So, good talking to you, and appreciate the time. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, and I, I appreciate the insight. It's always I always learn talking to other musicians, especially people that are like so much farther along. And I I really appreciate the time. So what I'll do is um. You know, wrap this up into a nice little podcast link and we'll spread it around and get people to come see you in Coloma in September. So, that would be fantastic. All right. Thanks, yeah. man. Have a great day. Thanks, Enjoy the weather oh. out there. Okay. Take care. Bye. It was nice weather up there. It was. I talked to Sean back in July when it was socked in with fog down here. Um, like it is now in August we'll get our we'll get our summer in Santa Cruz probably like the end of September when I'm gone at the American River Music Festival as you should be too. It's always nice for Sean's out. He's way beyond the fog line up up Eastern Bay Area. Um, anyway, that was Sean Hayes talking about uh, a little bit about the business and kind of what we can expect to hear at the American River Music Festival. His set is at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on September 14th, just about a month away. You can learn all about that at AmericanRiverMusic.org. You can also learn more about Sean by going to SeanHayesMusic.com. And if you want to find out about that stuff in one easy stop, you can also go to michaelgaither.com and look up Songs and Stories, episode number 128. Um, Oh, and also a little closer to home here down Santa Cruz Way, if you want to see Sean again this fall, he'll be at Don Quixote's Music Hall in Felton, California on October 19th. I believe that's a Saturday. So a couple of cool chances to see Sean and one really cool festival coming up very soon to cap off the summer. So there's all that stuff. Let's see. Coming up next on Songs and Stories, we're going to have a return visit from my pal and yours, Dan Kai. Dan was out here. Dan moved back to Maui on us. He went, he went back home. Yeah, he went back home. 
uh, earlier this year, no, late last year. Boy, the year went fast. <laughs> late last year, he moved back to Maui. And, um, but he came, before he left, he recorded an album and released it earlier this year. And when he was out, he played our, 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 our songwriter series out in Corlitas, California. So we did a, a CD release party. And it was really cool. It was just him and Jimmy Norris on percussion. We missed Steve Acello on bass dearly, but it was kind of a kind of an unusual setup seeing just Dan and a percussionist, especially one as great as Jimmy Norris. So it was a really cool show. And afterwards, Dan and I kind of hung out and talked about the record, talked about life back in Maui, and uh, just kind of shot the breeze for a while and thought we'd call it a podcast. I think you'll like it. It's a really nice kind of fun little chat about the record and what led up to it and what he's up to these days. So that'll be up in about a month. If you're new to songs and stories or you don't know the routine, you can go to my site, michaelgather.com. You can check for it there. You can get on my mailing list. You can also subscribe through iTunes. There's a link there on my website. And if you found this on iTunes, there's probably a link right in front of you or a little button you can click on. And if you're listening um, back in Kansas City on, on KC Cafe Radio or... Uh, back in Jersey on Grateful Dread Radio. Just keep tuning in, and the next show will probably be up next week, and if these are queued up properly in order. So with that all said, please support the artist on this program. Check out my website, and please check out Sean Hayes. And uh, hope to see you at the American River Music Festival in about a month. And if, if you're there, come find me and say howdy. It's going to be a great weekend. It always is. Lots of fun, lots of late-night playing and cavorting and frolicking. Yes, we frolic. There's a river. It's a lot of fun. We'll see you next time on Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither. Thanks again. Take care.